Welcome to Business Unveiled Podcast. This is the place where we help overwhelmed, time-starved entrepreneurs like you make the profitable shifts to get more done and get more out of life. I'm your host, Angela Prophet, award-winning eight-figure entrepreneur and CEO. And in every episode of Business Unveiled, I'm bringing you conversations that will give you the expertise and strategies that will scale your team and business so you can get shit done. That's GSD in our world. So get your time back and grow a business that helps you be present in your life. Let's do this, y'all. This episode is brought to you by the GSD Academy. This step-by-step business productivity online program will share with you exactly how to shift your mindset, set boundaries, build rock-solid processes, customize your message in order to strategically grow your revenues and get shit done. Visit AngelaProfit.com slash GSD Academy. Hi, y'all. It's Angela. I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled, and I'm so excited to bring you the most amazing guest that we have today because she and I, we were just chatting before we hopped on here, and we are so in alignment with women and women having a passion for really doing something, but then for some reason we're taught and we're raised that it's bad to like ask for money or, or make a profit. And so that's what she is going to chat about us. I mean, about you, about me, about her and like share the journey today that there is a purpose in all of this. And so if you're wondering how to drive your revenue and do work that actually makes you, not everybody else around you, you as the person doing the work and selling the creative makes you proud. And it's okay. It's okay if you're making revenue. Like that's a good thing. That means you're being a good business leader. And so today we're going to bring on Lisa McLeod. She is the global expert in selling with purpose. She's worked with firms all over the world to help them increase competitive differentiation and emotional engagement. So Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. And I love how you started this off. The profit and the purpose have to go together. That's right. They do the P's. I'm all about like all the P's. I'm like, okay, it's about people and purpose and profit. Like I love it all. Uh, So before we dive in and really start talking about um, how you have linked, you have linked all of this together, the purpose, the profit, we're going to talk all about that today. But before we jump, jump into that, I would love for you to share with our audience what was your background? How did you grow up? Were you always into this kind of stuff? Did you learn this stuff? Like take us down that journey of how you have gotten to where you are today. Well, this connection between wanting to do good in the world and do work you're proud of and do something exciting and creative and make money, the back and forth and ultimate uh, integration of those two has actually been the journey of my life. Wow. And I remember when I was in college, I was trying to decide between being a business major. I went to University of Georgia and I'm actually from, yeah, go dogs, (laughs) but I'm originally from Washington, DC and had relatives down South, hated the cold, always wanted to come down South. So I go to University of Georgia and there I am, uh, you know, early in my college trying to decide between being a journalism major 
and being a business major. And on the first day of business school, they say, the purpose of a business is to return a profit to shareholders. Hmm. And I'm like, well, who are these shareholder people? I don't even know any of those. Like, what Uh is that? I mean, I grew up middle class. I have no idea what you're talking about. And then I go into journalism school and they say, the purpose of journalism is to safeguard democracy. And I'm like, well, damn, that sounds like something really good. I'm going to do that. Like, which path do I take? (laughs) Right. These shareholder people that I've never heard of, you know, or safeguard democracy. And it was emblematic of what I went through back and forth. And, and as a, you know, you mentioned that women were weird about money and I sort of had the double whammy of being female where we're taught. It's not nice to talk about money. You shouldn't be out hustling up money. Uh, you know, that's just very unladylike and growing up in a middle-class family that also had anxiety about money where rich people didn't have good values. And so you get, you load all that stuff on. It's a lot to then try and go out in the world to make a living. And so my, there was one side of me that really wanted to be successful and I was in sales and I did really well. And then there was this other side of me, this very feminine wanting to make a difference, wanting to care for others. And I am, it literally took until I was 50 years old for those two sides to come together and me to stop separating them. So was there like, was there a certain person? Was there a mentor? Was there somebody that helped break it down for you? Or was that just like your own life experience of like, okay, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. And I'm going to create some type of education pathway to teach other women this. Well, I'll tell you, it was really three things. One, my own life experience. Mm-hmm. Two, I had a couple of good mentors who were male mentors mostly. Mine too. But the thing that really did it, I'm a sales consultant and I, about 12, 10 years ago, was asked by a team, a big company, biotech company, to do a study of their salespeople and mm-hmm. identify what was unique amongst the top performers. And and we knew what the difference was between good performance and poor performance. You know, you could, those are all pretty quantifiable things. But what was the so compelling about the top performers? We're doing the study. I'm riding with all these sales reps. We're near the end of the study. And I'm with this one representative in Phoenix, Arizona. We're parked at the airport. It's hot as the blazes. I'm about to get out of the car to hoof my way up to the airport. I'm sitting there in the air conditioning. And I ask her a question. And this is a salesperson, big corporate environment, sells, you know, these bioengineered drugs, very sophisticated environment. We've analyzed all their numbers, their call sheets, everything. And finally, I asked this one question, wasn't on our list of questions. I said, what do you think about when you go on sales calls? Mm -hmm. And she looks around the car and she says, I always think about this one little old lady, this grandmother. Mm Yeah, she said, I was standing in one of my doctor's offices with my name badge on. And this little old lady came up to me and said, excuse me, miss, you know, are you the rep for this drug? And she said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, this woman looked up to me and said, well, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for giving me my life back. That was my reaction. Oh my goodness. You know, I'm in this corporate environment and she goes on. She says, I think about her every day. She told me how she can now get on a plane, visit her grandkids because of this, you know, drug that I sell that made her healthy again. And she said, that is my purpose. And so 
that single moment, this anecdotal question just synced it all up for me. And we've since done several studies and the data could not be more clear. Salespeople and individuals who sell with what we call noble purpose, who are truly all in for their customers and want to make a difference, actually outperform the traditional salespeople that focus on targets and quotas. And the thing, the thing that I think happens to us is it happens to a lot of people, especially women, is we define salesy as this negative set of behaviors. And it's one of the only professions that we let the people who do it badly define it. Because the data tells us that the people that have that sense of noble purpose in their heart, whether it's because they sell this drug like she did, but it's held up in other studies, whether you're trying to create the most amazing wedding, whether you're trying to help somebody with their marketing, whether you're trying to help them with their accounting, when you have that sense of noble purpose in your heart, you can translate that to your customers and you will actually drive more revenue. That it's... It, like to hear you say it out loud, I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. So do you think like, what is the magic link between, I feel like the link between purpose, like if someone asked me, like, what's the link between purpose and profit? I think I would say it's the stories. It's like the yeah. outcomes when people actually share with me that, oh my gosh, like we had a horrible tornado right before COVID hit in 2020. And a lot of my friends lost every, every part of their business flew away. But some of them had gone through one of my technology classes and they're like, well, all my business documents are backed up in the cloud. Thanks to you, all of our computers are ruined, but thanks to you, they're all in the cloud. So that right then and there, like that made me feel so good to know that you know, I saved something from them, you know, they had to go deal with all their personal stuff, but all their business stuff was at least backed up in the cloud. And they knew when they needed it, it would be ready for them. And so that makes like a big difference. And then it makes me, you know, want to do more and more and more of it. And so, but what is your secret sauce? Like, what would you say that that link is between purpose and profit? You're right. It's the story and it's what we call your noble sales purpose. So I want to explain to people, profit is a lagging indicator and all the data could not be more clear. We've done a couple HBR articles about it. Other authors have done articles about this and, and, you know, peer reviewed research, absolutely clear. The science is there. The purpose drives the profit, not the other way around. And so I'll give you something really simple you can do. So you mentioned, you know, all their data is backed up in the cloud. That's the kind of thing that as a business person that I helped you, I saved you, whatever, that makes your heart beat faster. Mm -hmm. And so what you in your circumstance have already identified, what your listeners need to do is if you haven't identified yet, that thing, that really clear thing on how you make a difference to customers. And and in the book, Selling with Noble Purpose, we outline the formula. What you want to do is identify how do we make a difference to customers? How do we do it differently than anyone else? And on your best day, what do you love about your job? And when you're clear on that, and you can say something like, I save businesses from ruin. I help them sleep at night. Whatever it is, when you go in to interact with a customer, you're not there to quote sell. You're there to find out if there's a way that you can help them sleep better at night. 
or you're there to find out if there's a way you can make their, you know, virtual event be amazing. Like whatever your purpose is, the thing that happens to us as women, men are sort of trained from birth to disassociate from their feelings. We're trained the opposite. We're trained to manage everyone else's feelings. And so one yeah, of the seriously. Things, yeah. And so one of the things you have to understand is that is your greatest strength in selling is that the sellers and, and know if you're listening to this thinking, oh my God, I can't sell. I don't want to sell this idea that we have, that we have to go in and disassociate from our feelings and do these techniques. Know that if you do that, the only result you will get is mediocre. But mm-hmm. if you lean in to how you make a difference to customers and you start to say things like, I'll give you, you mentioned the subtitle of the book, Our Company Purpose is help leaders drive revenue and do work that makes them proud. So when I go meet with a customer, I need to say, so what's your revenue now? What could it be? What do you want it to be? What's the emotional engagement of your team? What do you want it to be? So I'm just asking questions around, could I potentially help you in my area of expertise? Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not talking them into doing something they don't want to do, but we've been so damn socialized to think, yep. don't ask a boy to dance, wait on the side and make them want you, that we've just like taken that into every aspect of our lives. Yep. It's, it's so true. It's so crazy. And like, sometimes if I like go have a conversation with my mom or even my sister, who's very much in that we are nothing alike in that mom role with four kids and stay at home with the kids and, you know, be married. And, and he he has a great job at the same job at the same company, just like my dad, same company for 32 years and retire, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just not the way that I see life (laughs) as an entrepreneur, but it's hard to even have these conversations with another woman or somebody who's not going through the same thing as you, because Mm -hmm. they can't really add value or help validate like what you, what your need is. And so it's funny because you said most of your mentors were men, mine were too. And, but I almost think that I needed to hear that from a man to say that to a woman, like you are a salesperson, get over yourself. I don't know why you think that that is a bad thing. Like that is a gift where you can go out and people can see your passion and that makes them want to work with you because they know that they're going to get some type of an outcome because you care. And that's not a bad thing, but the whole, my whole life, it's like the slimy car salesman. Like that's just what we think because <laughs> that's what we, I grew up around. It's so well, bad. We, we've defined it by the people who do it badly. We think about the person who sells us the event at the hotel is helping us, and the slimy guy as the car salesperson. And 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 again, I this I can't repeat this often enough. Your passion for your for making a difference to customers is your competitive edge. So you don't need all those slick sales tactics. There are some things you can do that will make, that will bring your passion to life. Just like any mother knows you're passionate about wanting to be a good parent and you love your kids, but there are certain things you can do that are better than other things. And so one of the first things you can do is define your noble sales purpose. And I'll give you some examples of companies. And I think your listeners may find themselves in these. So we work with a bank and their purpose is we fuel prosperity. 
we worked with Dave and Buster's and their purposes for their sales team is we champion laugh out loud fun. Like how cool is that? Yeah, <laughs> love it. We, we worked with an IT company and their purpose was so simple. It was, we help make small businesses more successful. Like that was it. It wasn't sexy. It was super clear. They grew 10X based on them saying, well, when I call on a small business, I want to find out how to make them more successful. Super authentic, crystal clear is that. And the, the thing that people listening to this need to know is there has been a sea change because of the internet transparency started to force it. But with COVID, with the, the social and the health and all the emotional crises, customers are asking, are you here to help me or are you just here to close me? And if you are showing up in an open-hearted way to truly help them, that is your advantage. I love that. It's so true. And like, so a lot, and, and the reason I keep saying women is because, you know, I'm around a lot of women and I hear this so many times is like, what am I doing wrong? So even if the, the men are listening, like, is there a difference between like, what are we doing wrong about noble, noble purpose and like having a purpose? Like, do you think it's a generational thing? Do you think it's a, a gender thing? Or do you think that it's, it's equally on both sides of what is really happening? Like, why do we keep getting it wrong? Well, I'll tell you why. And as human beings, we are hardwired to want to make a difference. This transcends age, race, sex, generational nationality. We want two things, belonging and significance. We want to know that we're part of something bigger than ourselves. And we want to know that our individual contribution matters. And the reason that we're getting this wrong in business is because we're trying to manage to the lagging indicators of revenue and profit and deal size. They're lagging indicators. The leading indicators are your words and your beliefs. So the way that you talk about your business in, to others and to yourself is 100% in your control and compare the difference between the company and they're very public about this. Their results are in selling with noble purpose. Um, and they, there was CMIT, they are out of um, Austin, Texas, and they grew exponentially. And they said the difference between, we had two different things before they started this. One was the people who showed up and said, I'm the IT guy. I want to look at your IT and he, figure out how I can help you. That was pretty good. We mm -hmm. had the guys that showed up and said, I want to try and do business with you. But when they switched to my noble purpose is to help you be more successful. Let's talk about what success means to you and what might be getting in your way. Just that shift at the beginning translates into a completely different customer interaction. So instead of focusing on closing or instead of focusing on, let me tell you all about my stuff and why it's so great. Your focus is on, let's talk about within my area of expertise, what you're trying to do and how I might help you. And that is a natural for women. Yes. And it, it's crazy. If you just ask, if you just ask, and like, I learned this the hard way in 
learning about sales funnels and marketing and digital marketing. Like I really did. I took the hard route because I thought that I was like, people are asking this. I know they need it. And I just flat out tell them how it is. And then I put like all the emotions and the empathy aside. But then if I like actually share some real stories of like things that actually happened to me, which has driven me to be the way that I am when it comes to strategy and sales funnels, it's because of some of the bad experiences that I've had, but I never really knew to talk about that. I'm like, why do people care? But now like I get it, like it's relatable. And, and some women that I've talked to, they don't want people to think they're stupid because like they made a bad decision or they made a wrong decision. But what I've learned from all these experiences is if you just ask your audience or you ask 10 other women around you, like, Hey, is this a good idea? And then go test it, put it out there and test it before you actually launch something, which again, that was so foreign to me. I'm like, why would I pre-sell something like an online course or even a book if I'm not done with it? Like my brain just doesn't work that way. Most people don't. They don't because who teaches that? Nobody teaches that. And I think I was at a seminar or conference that I was attending. And and that's why every year we have a certain amount of education dollars allocated for growth. And so a lot of this stuff is self-taught and you don't know these things. But as soon as I learn a technique, I'm like, oh, that actually makes more sense. And then as you're building something, you have the opportunity to pivot and change and add and take away based on your audience's input and like what they're saying to you. And so it's just, it's been such a healthy pathway to becoming like a better leader, a better woman, a better person, all of that and listening to everybody else and learning and listening to the empathy. Cause I never really picked up on I didn't grow up with that my dad's like you know I fall out of a tree and he's like get your ass up you're fine yeah (laughs) no crying aloud (laughs) my mother was like that but it Uh but I think one of the things for women so you mentioned earlier getting mentored by men and certainly most of us especially of a certain age because that's that's who was available as business leaders but I think now is the time to I have a most of my clients are male And I have a lot of great men in my life. Having said that, now is the time to lean on other women Mm -hmm. because your empathy, your compassion, those are your competitive advantages. And so you want to lean on people who understand the value of that. I tell you some of the interesting research that we found in Selling with Noble Purpose, and it's between passion and purpose. So people who have both passion and purpose are top performers. And passion is, I'm excited about something. I feel enlivened by it. And purpose is, I know that this matters. So people who have both are at the top. People who have neither are at the bottom. But here's the interesting thing. And this is particularly important if you're a leader, even if you only have one other person on your team. If you have passion, but no purpose, no sense of purpose, you're very susceptible to setbacks and you don't perform as well as people who have purpose, but no passion. And most entrepreneurs have both. That's why they started. Totally. Reason this is so important from a scaling perspective is if I have an employee working for me and they're all excited about what they're doing and our business and whatever we're doing and they love it, and we, but they don't see how it makes a difference. They're just excited about the subject matter area. 
they're going to wax and wane depending on the day. The data tells us you're better off finding an employee that you can instill a sense of purpose in that says, here's why we matter to our customers and here's why our work is important because that purpose will sustain them on the challenging days. When you have that sense of purpose, it often turns into passion, but as a leader, it, your passion may be personal. Purpose is the only thing that's actually scalable. I love that. That's, it's so true because if something, and, and also too, to, to me, it like ties into this whole legacy thing of like, you have to have a purpose as you're growing something. And then what do you want to be known for? And what legacy do you want to leave? Which also ties back to the purpose yeah. that the impact, you know, that, that is, it's, it's crucial. So for people who are lacking, now this was probably me like five years ago. If I was listening to this episode, I would be like, Hmm, my question is like, if I don't, if I'm lacking, it's like, I know the purpose, but if I'm lacking the empathetic part, is there something that business owners, entrepreneurs, women, men, that they can do to tap in to that? Cause yeah. we all have it. Yeah. But some of yeah. us are uncomfortable, you know, like being vulnerable and, and going down the empathetic road. So do you have any suggestions for like how people can like tap into that side? Yeah. And your, your question is pretty astute because it is important because the thing you got to remember is logic makes you think emotion makes you act. Hmm. So, so we true. are, and I, I just was listening to a Brene Brown podcast and she was talking about, we think we're so the guest, the, the authors that were on there were saying, we think we're logical beings that occasionally make emotional decisions. That's not true. We're emotional mm, beings yeah. that occasionally use logic. So yep. let's get that on the table. So there's three things that you can do. The first is name and claim your purpose, which is your version of, we help small businesses be more successful Etc. And you you answer that by how do you make a difference to customers? So that's the first thing you want to be explicit instead of just implicit. But then the second thing you can do to ignite the emotional piece of it, the empathy piece, is that's where your instincts were right. You want to tell stories. And there's two kinds of stories that you can tell as a business leader. One is perhaps you have a founder story. Whenever I coach entrepreneurs and I, I work with a lot of people that are trying to get VC funding, one of the questions I always ask is, why did you found this business? What, why was this important? And they'll tell some story about, well, you know, I went bankrupt because I didn't know how to manage accounting. So I thought I'd help people with that. Or I watched my grandmother struggle with figuring out how to get on Facebook. So we started this IT company for seniors, like whatever the story is. Mm-hmm. You need to be telling that story about what, what was the moment when you went, oh, that could be a thing and show your vulnerability. Cause in a lot of cases it's, you know, my own wedding sucked and I didn't enjoy it. And that's why I became a wedding planner because <laughs> exactly. I wanted people to have fun, you know, yep. whatever it is, show it. Then there's a second kind of story that is equally important. And that is what we call a customer impact story. And in Selling with Noble Purpose, we have several examples of these and ways to construct them, but I'll give you one example now. So at Dave & Buster's, they have a sales team that goes out and sells corporate events. And one of their customer impact stories was, we had a group, they were a group of accountants, they were the senior partners and all of the people underneath them. 
came to an event at Dave and Buster's. They were, they had ties on when they showed up. They were not thrilled that they were being asked to go to Dave and Buster's. Two hours later, I walked by somebody throwing balls into the chute and I overheard someone standing next to them saying, I don't think I've ever seen you smile this big in your entire life. We didn't know you knew how to laugh. And that's what we do at Dave and Buster's. Like, do you see, like, it's just a super clear story about like people come there's their purpose is we champion laugh out loud fun. So people come in they have this event and then we don't tell the story. You notice how I tell the story. Well, there were 50 people. They had hot wings. They had this. They had no, the story is this moment when yep. the boss laughed for the first time in public in three months. And so whatever wow. it is, like the moment at the wedding, the moment when the people called you and said, oh my God, my business is in the cloud. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Like those stories do two things. They demonstrate your purpose in action to other customers who go, I want that. But the other thing that they do is they reinforce it to you. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, that uh, there's just, I, I'm like sitting here thinking of multiple stories, like as you're telling this and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's this and this and this that, yeah. I mean, even in myself, cause I learned so much from, you know, talking to people is that I'm thinking of client of a certain client situation where I'm like, I could have been more empathetic <laughs> and mm-hmm. I could have said things a little bit differently and I probably should have done it this way. Um, but they don't teach us these things in school. Like they what, sure what you're saying. Um, I just, I think that, so to me, like just to recap for anybody listening, the steps is like, know your purpose and it's, typically what you love and what you're passionate about. So when I go and speak a lot on technology and backing things up in the cloud and productivity, and I'm telling a few stories about when I worked in mental health, we had patients that came in that went through a fire and it made them be suicidal. I mean, that's just the reality of it. And they lost their business. They lost everything. Then we went through a flood in Nashville. I mean, there's just been so many things and opportunities where some people come up to me afterwards. They're like, you seem really mad. Like, why, why are you mad? And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're, you don't understand. I'm not mad. I am passionate <laughs> about making sure that you right. all walk out of this room knowing that I don't know how you sleep at night. If your computer and your stuff is not backed up in the cloud, like how are you doing? You're putting your life and, and your heart and soul into being an entrepreneur and you all have a passion and a purpose. And and then the other half of it that I get really passionate about is when I ask a group of women, I'm like, how many of you know your numbers? What are your operating costs? What's your overhead? And they're like, well, I work from home. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like you need a computer. You need a what? I mean, you need a website. You've got your social media. There's all these things that if you didn't have a business, would you be doing it? And so then they start thinking differently and we start making a list of things. I'm like, this is how you come up with your numbers of you have operating costs, you have overhead, no matter if you work from home or not, you're still doing it because you have a business. Mm -hmm. And let's take the emotion out of that because some people get really stressed out about it, especially single moms. 
that I work with. They're like, but oh my God, I have to have this much money and my kids this and my kids that. And I'm like, listen, if you have a strategy and you follow your heart, and I know it sounds so cheesy, and you follow your passion and now purpose, the money comes. I, 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 I don't know how, like, I just know that God has always taken care of us. Like when we deliver and we do a good job and we say what we're going to do and we give it our all that makes people happy and they're going to either come back or they're going to refer you to other people because you took care of them. So taking care of people emotionally, like you're saying, like, it's not a bad thing. And I think that women need to embrace that more that we don't have a disadvantage in corporate America, we are allowing the disadvantage because we're stuck in the old days of acting a certain way where we need to step up and like own our, almost like own your own experience as EO would say, the entrepreneurization. So it's, I'm just sitting here shaking my head at like several scenarios that I'm thinking of. Well, you've said something really important here that I hope people are taking away. You want to take the emotion out of the money and put the emotion in to making a difference to your customers. And it's really important because you detach your self-esteem, your sense of self-worth, your confidence. You want to decouple that from the money and you want to attach it instead to making a difference to customers. Because when the money goes down, as it will, it'll go up and down and wax and wane. You wake up, if you've defined yourself by the money, you're going to have real trouble. That's when you're going to go, oh my God, I can't sell. I don't want to sell, blah, 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 blah. Instead, you want to attach yourself to making a difference to customers. And when, when I say decouple the emotion from the money, you still need to have rigor around it. And so it, I know a lot of women entrepreneurs are also mothers. You wouldn't think, I'm just going to feed my kids. You know, maybe one day I'll do it once. Another day I might do it three times. Maybe they'll go to school three times. Like, you know, your numbers on your family, you know, the times they have to be at practice, you know, the time, the amount of money you got to send to the damn PTA. Like, you know, your number, you know, how many meals a day they need to eat. You, You know, how many kids you have, you know, their allergies, you know, their medications. You want that same level of rigor in your business. And the reason you know those things about your home is because you are trying to create an outcome. You are not trying to necessarily please your children. You're always trying to improve your children. And that's one of the distinctions that we make in Selling with Noble Purpose. It's not about pleasing customers. It's about having a clear sight line to how you improve customers. And every mother alive knows that there's a big difference between those two things. And the good mothers are always improving their children. And so if you think about it in that way, you know your numbers. You're just not allowing your own emotions to wax and wane with them instead, because that's just reactionary. Instead, you want a clear sight line on how you make a difference to customers And then you start telling those what we call customer impact stories about how you've done that. You do it in your web copy. You do it in your conversations. You get curious about, well, we did that for so-and-so. What might that look like for you? I said there were three things. One is knowing your purpose, your noble sales purpose. The second is telling the stories. And the third 
is showing up for customer interactions curious. You do those three things, you will make more money. I love it. That's awesome. And if you're driving and listening to this episode, we will put all of this in the show notes. So don't pull over, don't wreck, because this is good stuff. Like this is really, really good stuff. And I love the analogy of, you know, your kids, you know, I mean, I think of my sister's bored at home with like her schedule with all of her four kids and what they're doing and where they have to be in the carpooling. I mean, it literally gives me a headache. But I think of it like it's just like running a business. And it's funny when people are like, do you have kids? I'm like, well, I have nieces and nephews. That's a real big commitment for me. And I'm like, but I have about 50 a year at a time. And they're like, oh, my God, what? And I'm like, they're clients. But I treat my clients as though they are my children because I want the best for them. And like, I don't mean that in a demeaning way at all. I just mean it like in a loving way. Like, I want the best for them. And I'm not going to let anybody or anything take advantage of what we're doing for them because it is going to be a perfect outcome. And if it's not like we'll communicate, how do we need to get there together? And so it, that correlation between like having kids and being a mom and knowing your numbers and knowing all that stuff. It's funny. It's the same thing. It's like in the gym, there's girls there that they work at the gym. So I used to work at a gym and I used to be way more fit, but that's not my life anymore. So I can't compare that, you know, to the girls in the gym. And so the, the thing that I want to say about that is like, don't compare like your today to like what my today was like in the past, because I find a lot of people comparing themselves and you can change your mindset. You can do better. You can, one lady was like, you didn't, I didn't think that you could teach an old dog new tricks, you know? And I, I hear these sayings and I'm like, why do you have that mindset? Like if you love to learn and you want to learn and you want to do better and you want to make more of a profit, guess what? Money's a tool and it's not a bad thing, but the more that you can make, the more you can help the more you can give and the more you can make yourself available when you have a stable company and you know your numbers, you got to know your numbers. You do. So if, yeah, you have to, you have to. Well, I can you tell you to. that I first wrote, we haven't, the new edition of Selling with Noble Purpose just came out last month. Yay. I wrote the, I know I'm so excited because we got so much data, awesome. uh, which I know doesn't make a book sound sexy, but we were able to put it in story form and we have models for people. We, one of my um, clients said, my favorite part of this book is the appendix because I don't have to read the whole thing. It just tells me exactly what to do. And I was like, okay. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but it, one of the things, the idea for it initially came when I, um, my husband had lost his business and oh. we had to declare bankruptcy. So I can tell you if your back is up against the wall financially, that's where I was when I wrote this and implemented it with my clients. And I mean, up against the wall, like college tuition is due next month. I'm not, I don't think we have the money like that kind of back up against the wall. And if you can ground yourself in these principles and then use some of the things you can generate money because we went from that to within five years, just the two of us having a seven figure business. That's amazing. 
in and that then, amount of time. And if I, if I could do it, awesome. being scared out of my mind with kids, you know, my husband lost his business. He was about to go off the deep end. It was the middle of the recession. Like if I could do that, whoever's listening to this, you, you got this, uh-huh. you can do it too. <laughs> uh-huh. But you cannot sit back and feel sorry for yourself. You have to take action, like, and be yeah. aware that there are other ways and see that that story for me just changed the whole conversation <laughs> mm-hmm. because that's where it's like you really do know and this is your passion and your purpose because you have felt that you have felt what that feels like and you can get back up and you can keep going yeah but you can't yeah. be you 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 can't stay in bed and and I don't want to say lazy, but some people truly are depressed. And when I worked at the mental hospital, I'm like, do you really know what depression is? I'm like, cause I don't think people really know what that means. If you've never experienced it, like in a mental hospital setting. And I'm like, you can do this, get yourself out of the bed. And we have so many resources at our fingertips now with the internet. I didn't have the internet growing up and I didn't, I I went to the library to start my first business. And so we do have resources to help us get to where we need to go. If we need to put something in the past but look, if you, if that hasn't, if that had not happened to your husband, do you think that you would be oh, where you are today? Not in a million years. And I even knew it at the time. I'll tell you one thing that somebody uh, said, I, two things that I read actually one at the time this was happening to me, I had read an interview with um, a black entrepreneur, a black woman CEO. And she said, I'll tell you one thing about women of color. We know you can always solve a money problem. Uh-huh. And I just remember thinking, oh, she's right. Now I should tell listeners I'm white, but I remember thinking, yeah. you're right. It's just a money problem. Like nobody died, you know, nothing. I, this yep. is like a solvable problem. It's a numbers problem. And then another thing I remember at the time, we went to a Dave Ramsey workshop. I loved it. Um, yep. which I, I figured you did as you were talking. <laughs> That's why naturally, yeah, we went. Yep. Um, and I was actually on his uh, podcast too, his Entre Leadership podcast. But uh-huh. we went to this Dave Ramsey thing and it was before I'd written the book and he talked about taking a second job at night. And I thought, what if I considered my second job was to go in for two hours, two nights a week, which is not monumental, just two hours, two nights a week and send, and send emails to my network and say, here's what I'm doing now. Would love to catch up with you. And I do that for two hours a night, just twice a week and consider that my second job Yep, paid off in spades, like within a week started to pay off. And I just think the idea that that we when when we tether ourselves to the finances, it's really easy to feel down and to feel powerless, and especially as a woman, to feel like I can't do this. But if you can tether yourself to that noble purpose and think there is somebody out there that needs my help, there is somebody I can make a difference to, and damn it, I'm going to get out of bed and find them. That's an entirely different feeling and it will galvanize you. And all the data tells us 
that that will actually make you more successful because we've worked with everything from solopreneurs to companies with hundreds of thousands of employees and the principle remains the same. When you have a purpose bigger than money, when your aim is to make a difference to clients and you put systems in place to do that, you will make more money. You will also experience a lot more happiness. Yeah, because money doesn't make you happy. It doesn't. I've seen it. Lack of it sure does. <laughs> I mean, you know, it can, it can help with things, but it's just like, I've, I've, we've worked with some of the most wealthy people, like in, in my former career with, with luxury weddings. And we've had some very lovely people and we've had some very unhappy people yeah. and it's, and, and more money. So what my dad said one time, more money, more people, more stress, more problems. Right. And I'm like, well, I don't really, I don't really want to look at it that way. Like I want to look at it, you know, to do things and do more and help more. But if you always put the people first, that's what I always say, like the money will come. And and then, you know, you do have to put that business cap on sometimes. And hey, if you don't want to do it, get somebody, get a business partner, get somebody around you that can be part of your team that can separate some of that emotion from taking the money. That's actually what I had to do. One of my mentors said, you don't need to be involved in the number process because you're not a numbers person. You don't understand and your company's going to go bankrupt because you keep saying yes to everything. And so we kept up with it for an entire year. And at the end of the year, he showed me how many things we actually did for free for clients. And then I went, I was like, oh, those are the clients that were like the, the hardest. They were not appreciative. I, they were, they complained you know, and I, I never take it personal because typically there's something way bigger going on with a person. It's not me. I just happen to be the sounding board and, and taking in the negativity. And so that's when after it, but it took me a year and I had to see it before my eyes unfold. And I'm like, we're not doing this next year. We're never doing this again. Like we have to pre-qualify better. We have to ask more questions. We have to get more clear and granular on our goals as a company, as people and how we want to serve others. And so once we did that, and I'm not even going to pretend and lie, like the first few people we met with and we were changing our business model, you know, they said no. And I'm used to closing hundred percent. I'm like, oh God, I just don't know if this is going to work. Like, how am I going to live? But when you're stressed and you're thinking like that, people can see right through it. And so they absolutely can. Yeah. So I had to just get more confident and I practiced with my mentor. And then the sixth person said, that sounds great. And the seventh person and the eighth person. And then, you know, I was like, okay, I'm onto something. This is going to work. Like, it's going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. But just keep the purpose and your passion number one, always keep it number one. So where can people find the book, Lisa? Uh, so it's at all the bookstores. If you Google selling with noble purpose, love it. And we'll, we'll find it. it. And we made it so easy Ooh. in the book. You can just pick up one chapter and just do one thing. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. So we'll put all that in the show notes. And then what's your favorite way for people to connect with you? Follow me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. We do videos. It's free. And we do videos every single week. I do a LinkedIn live every Friday. So that's the best thing. You'll get a lot of content from us. Absolutely free. That is awesome. And one more question as we wrap up. Do you have a favorite productivity hack? 
Yes. And I do it about 75% of the time. <laughs> and, every time and every time I do it, it works. I don't know why I don't do it hundred percent of the time. <laughs> and it's the simple thing that everybody says when I take 15 minutes at the beginning of every day at my desk, ready to work, but not opening my email yet. And I think, what do I want to accomplish today? What are the big things I need to accomplish? How do I want to do it? What would make today a win? How do I want to connect with the people that are important to me? When I do that at the beginning of the day, I win the day. So plan ahead. Just, no. just yeah, I mean. It's the 15 minutes. Like yeah, I always yeah. have a calendar. I always have a plan. I always have a to-do list. But the 15 minutes to really think, okay, I've got that meeting. How do I want to show up for that? What do I want to have happen? I've got this block of time to write. How much do I want to get done? Like that 15 minutes of really thinking about the way I want to do these things makes all the difference in the world. And being intentional with your time, yeah. right? Just yeah. be intentional. It works well, so well. You think I do it all the time. <laughs> well, I feel like, especially with everything in 2020, it's like life happens and shit happens and stuff comes up and it's just like, we can't always be perfect. Like I do live by my calendar, but if something happened with my, within my family or with one of the kids or something, it's like, you know, that's why I do have a great team in place. So I'm like, Hey, can you take this? Because I need to go do this. You know, yeah. it, sometimes it is more family is more important. And so I will just say like, be present when you, when you aren't in that state of work, sometimes it's hard to like leave the work at work. And if you're with your family and you're with your friends, like just be present and like put the phone down and enjoy the time with them because they're not going to be here forever. And I, again, I had to learn that the hard way with my dad when he got sick. And so being intentional with your time is so important, but at least you do it 75% of the time, you know, cause <laughs> how was your life before you didn't do it? <laughs> right. I'm a work in progress. Like everybody. Right. Right. But that's awesome that you're like aware of it and you're doing it. And that's why we calendar block for everything and we batch everything because otherwise I would never do it. It would never get done because I would be so scattered. So I'm right there with you. So everybody, thank you so much for listening today. I know you got lots of great nuggets. Make sure that you connect with Lisa on LinkedIn. We'll put all the links in the show notes, go check out her book and Thank you so much for your time. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Business Unveiled. Have a great day. Bye, everybody. That's it for this week's episode of Business Unveiled. Now that you have all the tools that you need to conquer the world and GSD, get shit done, would you share this with your friends and fellow business leaders? One thing that would really, really help us and help new listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a comment in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in and listen to Business Unveiled. You can check out the show notes at angelaprofit.com slash podcast and link up with us on social media so you can share your biggest insights and I want to know your aha moments. Until next week, remember, the profitable shifts and structures you're creating in your business help you be more present in your life. So get out there and GSD.